the eagle's been flying slow And the flag's been flying low And a lot of people saying that America's fixing to fall But speaking just for me And some people from Tennessee We got a thing or two to tell you all This lady may have stumbled But she ain't never failed And if the Russians don't believe that They can all go straight to hell We're gonna put her feet back on the path of righteousness And then God bless America again And you never did think that it ever would happen again In America, did you? You never did think that we'd ever get together again We're damn sure food, you were walking real proud And we're talking real loud again In America, you never did think that it ever would happen again From the sound up in Long Island Out to San Francisco Bay And everything is in between them is our home And we may have done a little bit of fighting amongst ourselves But you outside people best leave us alone Cause we'll all stick together And you can take that to the bank That's the cowboys and the hippies And the rebels and the yanks You just go and lay your hand On the Pittsburgh Steelers band And I think you're gonna finally understand And you never did think that it ever would've happened again In America, did you? You never did think that we'd ever get together again We're damn sure good you were walking real proud And we're talking real loud again In America, you never did think that it ever would've happened again Someplace in the American desert, I get lost myself. It's the show. Let's talk. And my name is Mike, your host, always and forever. Politics and religion, folks. So if you're a sensitive individual, you might find some of what I got to say offensive. But you know what? You got to be telling the truth or don't be telling anything at all. The name of this episode, Need I Say More? More, more, more. Okay, it's Friday, end of the week, you made it, could sing the song by Barry Manilow, looks like we made it, and I don't think it would work, anyways, little Charlie Daniels in the beginning there, in America, I think that, uh, seeing as the way we have uh, things going on in the world right now, it was an appropriate opening song, hopefully it stirred the patriotism and the Christian inside you to get up and get going. So this show, uh, need I say more? I want to, before I start, let me, uh, I'm multitasking. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But I really want to, um, I really want to do this. So let me get to the part I'm looking for. Hopefully it's still available. I hate having to go into, look at our previous posts. So this show, I want to dedicate in memoriam to Dr. Michael Heiser. It's somewhat emotional for me to say that because I had the distinct privilege and pleasure of meeting him in Rochester, New York. He was doing a, he, uh, there was a speaking engagement, and it was at the time that his book, The Unseen Realm, was very popular. It had just recently come out. I don't usually uh, promote uh, individuals 
or a, a person's books, you know, other than the Bible and a, a couple of extracurricular or extra biblical writings and so forth, like the Dead Sea Scrolls or the book, the first book of Enoch, things like that. Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser, is without doubt probably one of the greatest um, individuals when it came to ancient history and Hebrew Bible and Semitic studies. Uh, he, he taught at the college level for many years. He had he was a scholar in residence at Logos Bible Software. Uh, that's a company that produces ancient text databases and other types of digital resources for study of the ancient world and biblical studies. This is just, um, you know, a couple of the things, so to speak, that he was involved with. And among other things, Dr. Heiser could translate numerous extinct languages, which, for what it's worth, allowed archaeologists and people who study history and ancient peoples and so forth to reinvestigate and open up uh, a whole a whole bunch of new understandings and so forth of these peoples and how they lived because Dr. Heiser could understand their languages. So we went to see him, and um, again, you know, he received a list of academic honors, including the Society of Biblical Literature, uh, the James L. Weinstein Fellowship in Hebrew Studies, Ancient History Department at the University of Pennsylvania, and so much more. So he was uh, also, one last thing, Executive Director of the Awakening School of Theology and Ministry in Jacksonville, Florida. So with all that being said, we uh, traveled six hours, had to do an overnight, but it was so worth it to uh, see him when he was appearing at this um, church for part of his speaking engagement. And we had gotten there early, like probably at least an hour early, because we were coming from out of town, one of those types of things where, you know, I mean, we got there early, so I guess, you know, we were just making sure that we got there on time. So we had an hour to kill. And fortunately for my wife and I, Dr. Heiser showed up. And it was pretty kind of funny. He shows up in a Toyota Celica-type car. It was his own personal vehicle. He drove all the way, I think, a couple states away. But anyhow, regardless, he, he gets out of the car. And, you know, when you see people on video or TV, and then you see them in real life, there's sometimes a big difference between what they look like on video or TV and what they look like when you really see them. It was, <laughs> did not realize he was so tall, over six feet. So it was interesting to watch him kind of stand up and up and up as he got out of this car. So he came over to us, and I said hello to him and shook his hand. And um, we went inside, and I um very nervous. You know, I didn't know. I, I wanted to talk to him. I kind of wanted to pick his brain a little bit and, you know, discuss certain things that I had been studying for a number of years. And... I knew he was um, very um, knowledgeable in those areas, and so I didn't know quite how to go about it. And he very, 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 I mean, just put me right at ease. Oh, no, don't call me doctor. Call me Michael and, you know, or Mike, so forth and so on. So I had the privilege and the pleasure, the wife and I both, to talk to him, to pick his brain somewhat, to compare notes, things like that. And he was so giving, so open to the conversation and everything. I mean, it just, you know, you don't want to put people on a pedestal, but I'll be honest with you. I'm sorry, it takes a little bit. He was such a great man. And I'll tell you what, he's in heaven with the Lord right now, and someday I'll see him again. But I'm sure going to miss him, you know, because there's so much more that he could have done. But the good news is not only that he's in heaven with the Lord, the good news is we have plenty of videos and books and so forth to buy to be able to um, continue 
in our research and whatnot in the biblical studies that he, he delved into so thoroughly. So with that being said, let's start with our opening prayer and we'll get on with the show, Need I Say More? Dear Heavenly Father, at this time, our brother Mike Heiser is with you. He now sees the kingdom. He now sees our Lord Jesus Christ and so many others of those that have gone before him. Ah, how jealous we could be, Lord, but, you know, in a good way. But we know, Father, that because your your love for us and that of your Son, Jesus Christ, we have also a date to be in your kingdom, whatever that date may be, Lord. And so we strive and we continue and we suffer and we pray. But always, Father God, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor because as those of as those who came before us, we know that no matter the suffering, no matter the, the things that we have to go through while here on this earth, it is just so worth it. And I can't wait to get there to see Mike Heiser again. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name for this time and this moment and for the opportunity to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to our first scripture, <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing. I'm, you know, cynical. <laughs> if you haven't figured that out by now, um, I'm a little different than probably most preachers, pastors, or commentators that you might listen to in the past. But that's just how it is. I don't pull any punches. I, you know, try to tell it like it is. Hey, you got to know, you know, because if you don't know, then you're not you know, you may be missing the mark, and I don't want that to be on my conscience. Anyway, I was in the car earlier today, and I had the Jay Secular song, uh, not song, show on, and they were talking about this tragedy in Ohio, which has turned into something well beyond just a train wreck. I mean, train wrecks are bad enough, but apparently... The steps they took, the quote-unquote controlled burn, has set off a series of events that has become nothing short of the type of gas that was released in World War I is being released in Palestine, Ohio. I want you to understand that. I mean, I'm going to get a little cynical here in a minute and somewhat humorous, I hope, but the situation is not funny. <clears throat> it's pretty sad when the federal director of transportation doesn't show up until after Donald Trump shows up with water and and so forth and so on, and hobnobs with the crowd. I don't think that I can remember, at least in my lifetime, but, you know, even going back before that, I don't think I can remember a president that was so uh, just involved with the people and so willing to be with the people. You know, I think if Roosevelt wasn't in a wheelchair, if he didn't have polio, he may have been the same way. His wife was very much involved with the people. But that aside, so they finally show up the transportation secretary. But <laughs> with that being said, there was also all kinds of issues with cameras were rolling and tape recorders were on, and they became very, um, very apparently annoyed with that because, get this, <laughs> by saying to the press and whoever else, shut them off and turn them off and whatnot, well, and then they'll, then they'll be willing to make statements. Why, you don't want to be on the record? We need to be praying, folks. Because situations like this that have turned into what they've turned into is well beyond and way beyond what we were being told in the beginning. Another little story I could tell you, I found out today, 
But the individual that worked for the Clinton administration and was the one that was allowing um, Epstein and whatnot into the White House was found um, <laughs> kind of hard to explain. Suicided, hung, but no weapon. And then, of course, when that story broke, the official statement by the sheriff's department was there was no weapon. All of a sudden, oh, we got a weapon. Anyway, so my cynical self, back to what I started saying, when listening to the Jay Sekulow show and they were talking about the lack of transparency and so forth and the lack of concern by the Biden administration and his cronies not showing up, going to the Ukraine instead. And I said, I think, or I thought, and so I texted myself this thought so I didn't lose it. I texted myself, Biden didn't go to Ohio because it's Trump land. And I think it's probably like a vampire that if you hit him with holy water, they're going to burn. So he didn't want to put his feet on Ohio ground. I know, I thought it was funny. So today's show is a mixture of a couple things. I'm going to talk about Genesis chapter 13, 6 through 12, which is um, part of the story, the relationship between Abraham and his nephew Lot and how Lot ended up in Sodom and what ended up happening when the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and how Abraham played a part in it. So let's read this Genesis chapter 13, 6 through 12. We're going to do some other things along the way, talk about some other things along the way, and then we're going to wrap this up, coming back to Genesis again in the end. So Genesis chapter 13, 6 through 12, and it starts thus, verse 6. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. In other words, Abraham and Lot were so <laughs> blessed that they had more, you know, their substance was great. Well, so what ended up happening, we find out in verse 7, that there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So there was this conflict not necessarily between Lot and Abraham themselves, but between their herdsmen. So Abraham said to Lot, in verse 8 we read, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Remember, Lot was his nephew. And in verse 9 it goes on to say, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. So they're making an agreement between the two of them, obviously, to go their separate ways to alleviate this conflict. So Lot, in verse 10, it tells us, lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. So in verse 11, we read, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram, which was his name before it was changed to Abraham, dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, in the beginning, he didn't go into Sodom, but he was just on the outskirts. And a lot of people back in those days, in fact, a lot of the Bedouins that still exist today, they do the same thing. They don't reside within the city walls or within the city proper itself. They reside outside, all right? And a lot of times it's because they have, you know, buku you know, cattle or goats or shit, whatever they have, or if not even, they just don't get involved with that, you know, settling down in the city life because as Bedouins, well, they're Bedouins, they travel. So Lot was in that sort of situation or in that sort of mindset 
where he camped outside Sodom. And I'm sure over time, he decided, you know what, it's better to go in, then I don't have to travel in and out all the time. I don't know for sure, but that's I'm just spitballing. So let's look at a few things in the world today, and then we'll get back to that story. We got what? Russia suspends the nuclear treaty. That's not good. Now this gets worse. Russia to resume nuclear tests. <laughs> That's really not good. Well, this gets worse. Putin orders nuclear forces to combat duty. Bang, man, this is getting serious now. Well, let's add something to the mix. Let's add China. So the Chinese president is going to apparently visit Russia soon. And according to the reports, China's ready to join forces with Russia. Now, I want to pause there for a minute. If the way the traditional Christian teaching, if that plays out in the God-Magog um, scenario, um, <clears throat> Russia and the quote-unquote kings of the East, which would be, yeah, you got it, China, are going to descend upon Israel to try to destroy it and take whatever this booty is that the scriptures talk about. I think it might be oil, because Israel has <laughs> this phenomenal find, and <laughs> they, that would definitely be a booty. And it tells us in the scripture that these forces are going for a booty. Anyway, so this is something to keep our eyes on without a doubt, that China and Russia are getting ready to be in cahoots with each other. Well, we never know. Anyway, moving along, the UK is on a nuclear alert. And the country Moldova, an ancient Europe, European country and a former Soviet republic, says war is Im imminent. And the Serbian president, which was also part of, you know, this other empire, this Serbian president says everyone's preparing for war. So just a little side note there, I don't think personally, probably since the days of Adolf Hitler, because, you know, he was gobbling up some territory there, all right? In fact, he gobbled up a lot of territory. Anyway, or so therefore, I think that Europe hasn't been in such a state of affairs since, since Hitler, of course, when Russia, you know, when the war was over and Russia established itself as a communist, you know, empire and whatnot, you know, again, that was something to concern themselves with. But I think in this regard, things are really getting serious. And again, I don't think it's been such since World War II or, you know, the days of Hitler in the beginning there. Let's look at another scripture. Let's look at Isaiah 42.8. Now, Isaiah... Tell you what, read Isaiah 6. That is, I, um, I, uh, I sometimes just meditate and contemplate Isaiah 6 because that's the part where it talks about Isaiah was taken to heaven and he saw the Lord in the throne and so forth and the cherubim. And it, it is just, <laughs> you know, when you think about that had to be like beyond amazing. Anyways. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Pretty, you know, cut and dry there. Nobody else but he is the Lord. Amen. So, you know, when we think about where things are today, I mean, for those of us that have, you know, I say been around for a little while, and, you know, myself not being quite as old as the greatest generation and so forth, but talking to them, you definitely get the, uh, the, the feeling and the understanding that they could never have imagined the world we live in. And they outright say, this is not the country I grew up in. And I can say that for myself and my generation and maybe the next one after that. But from then on, 
it things started to change. It's disconcerting. It's one of the saddest things to think that in this country, this country, most people are victims of a very well-established, you know, <laughs> well-greased machine of socialist, communist system of education. And, of course, you know, not only the dictates or whatever that come out of Washington, but the media and what they, you know, spew. Quite honestly, again, this is modeled right after the likes of Hitler and Joseph Goebbels. They totally had the media, you know, <laughs> under wraps. They knew how to use it. And so, therefore, we have victims in our country of the same sort of thing, and they're completely under the control of the enemies of the people. Now, sad, too, also to say, they're victims who are, the, the, the reason they're victims is they're ignorant of simple, let's say, economic and constitutional facts. Sad to say, or, you know, change of times, right? Time is not like we grew up. When I went to school, we learned about the Constitution. We learned about economics, too, and how it all worked. They haven't learned that in I don't know how long. And so because of that being the, the state of affairs, they're going to remain ignorant, and they're going to remain loyal to this agenda until they're looking. Ooh, excuse me, literally faced with starvation and, and just destruction, you know, gone. You know, Lenin, he was the first, uh, first leader of the new government or so forth in Russia, communism. So uh, Lenin, he called these kind of people useful idiots. Because it's, well, who else would support their own destruction? And that's exactly what's going on. You know, it's the sort of thing I, you know, maybe this isn't a good analogy, but, you know, when somebody, <laughs> don't touch it, it's hot, and you, you damn fool, you touch it. Well, I told you it was hot. You know, no matter how many times you tell these people what's really going on and what it's all going to come down to, you know, they just, you know, step march right in. Really, the biggest reason is they only have a vague idea of their true enemy's identity. You see, the enemy of the people are the very people who stand before them. They're on the cameras. They're in the, you know, sound bites over media. Nothing but disinformation, lies, lies, lies. And the, you can't say for some reason... They're caught up in this. I've spoken before about the reason. And there's no other reason other than their denial of the Lord God. They don't want to believe. And God outright says in the scriptures, I spoke of it before. You didn't want to believe the truth, so I'm going to send you a deception. I mean, it's pretty hard to fight the Lord God. I wouldn't recommend it, all right? So this is part of that mass psychosis thing that I talked about several shows ago. It's all part of that. And you have, so you put in the mix, you have, you know, the politicians that stand before the cameras and so forth or have sound bites of disinformation. You add to that the the... You know, so you got political clout, but then you have, add to that mix, wealthy families. And they're the ones that control the woke corporations. And they're the ones that bribe our government officials, not just Democrat, but Republican as well. You know what their motto is? You'll own nothing and be happy. I mean, what else could it be? They make up laws, and they're not laws. 
you know, you can't forget a case in point or example, what happened to the people with that January 6th incident? They were all denied, all of them, constitutionally protected rights. There, it was a complete frame, frame up. And we have, as our legislators, that's who I'm talking about partly here, and they're the despicable people who pass one unconstitutional law after the other to do nothing to, uh, to impoverish citizens. They enrich the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower talked about when he was getting ready to exit the White House after his second term. Ironically, President Kennedy spoke of the same sort of thing, and we all know what happened to him, and I can't help but to believe in my heart of hearts that what he had to say was part of the reason why he's no longer, or he, you know, his life and his presidency ended early. Now, so that's the federal level. I want to bring to your attention also, you got to remember something else. Uh, state governors, they're just as corrupt. And one of the reasons or the biggest reasons why is because they allow the federal government to usurp the state powers. And many times they're doing it for profit. You see, it's kind of like everywhere you turn, it's not a good choice. Before I continue, I want to say one thing. I'm a firm advocate of peaceful resistance as the best way to undermine a despot government. All right? And, and that is, believe it or not, the best way to stop them from being able to persecute us as they do now. I also strongly believe that failure to resist is going to lead, without a doubt, to civil war. And I guess the problem is, or some of the you know ways I think is because I have very little to no faith in the court system, and I have even less than that in the election process. And this all bears itself out. I'm not, you know spitballing, I'm not overreacting to anything. I'm just stating the facts. We have religious people and not. We have patriots or not. Especially the patriots, I can't believe this, but they don't believe in self-defense with firearms. Can you believe that? Even knowing that for most people, especially in the blue states and blue cities, effective police protection is non-existent. Not even close. They talk about gun-free zones. Tell you what, a gun-free zone, that's a killing field. Let me quote a scripture from Jesus for you. Listen to what he says here. In Luke 22, 35 through 39, he says, And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lack ye anything? And they said, No, nothing. Then said he unto them, But now, he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise is scrip. And he that hath no sword, now listen to this, he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So Jesus is talking in the beginning about when he sent them out for the first time on their own to, you know, uh, evangelize and, and, and talk about the gospel and so forth. But when he sent them, he told them, don't take a purse, don't take a script, don't take shoes, go with nothing. And then he asked them, did you lack for anything? And they said, no, nothing. And then he tells them this. And the key here is that <laughs> it's so important 
that they own a sword. That if need be, sell your garment, sell whatever you have to sell to be able to afford one. That speaks volumes about what he's preparing them for, possibly. Remember this also, moving along. The federal government is forbidden in the Constitution from exercising or supervising police powers in the states. So these governors are in nothing short of direct violation. Now, we have victims now and victims of the future who just refuse to defend themselves and they're ignoring the teachings of Jesus Christ and our founding fathers as well. It's interesting that our founding fathers warned us time and time again that if we weren't diligent, if we didn't maintain by what means we need to, our the form of government that they were establishing, then things weren't going to turn out good. They knew that then. They talked about enemies from within and without then. But you see these victims who don't want to know, who are ignorant and so forth, they believe they're living in some kind of utopia or Disneyland or something. I don't know. And that doesn't exist. This form of tyrannical world government is imminent. So I'm talking about our country, but at the same time, I'm talking about throughout the world, this is what's going on. This world government is imminent. And the storm or the dam, whatever you want to call it, it can break at any time. Anytime. You know, as much as we pray and as much as we, you know, for what it's worth, fight back the best that we can, Nonviolently, I got to be honest with you. I think our best bet is the, you know, evangelizing the gospel. Because if in fact this storm is going to break and that dam's going to break, which it's already leaking, and the storm clouds are gathering for quite a while now. So there's one thing. There's one hope. And that, I'm sure you already know, but if not, I'm going to tell you, that one hope is in the saving power and authority of God our Father and through his Son, Jesus Christ. He shed the blood on the cross. He suffered, oh my gosh, whoo I contemplate and meditate that sometimes and I cringe. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, we know he's coming soon to remove his faithful church. Hopefully before these evil men can complete their purpose and setting up their brief kingdom. But here's the thing. As long as we're still here, Paul says occupy. We're an occupying army, which means we're not on our home turf. Our home turf is in heaven with the Lord. But while we're here, we're to occupy. We are to do battle. Jesus made that perfectly clear. We're in a battle. And as battle-worthy soldiers, we need to be properly equipped. And that is with the scriptures and in prayer and with other believers. Because I say this, until we are taken from this earth to go to heaven to be with the Lord, whether it be in the rapture or just, you know, regular time-to-go kind of thing, or by some kind of sickness. Mike Kaiser, unfortunately, went to pancreatic cancer. That's like a death sentence right off the top. Anyways, regardless of how you leave, while we're here, if you're really a Christian, then you need to be evangelizing. If you're not, well, you know, check your membership. <laughs> you know? So he's coming. We know it. We need to be busy. All right? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 52. 
This speaks more to what I said about him removing his faithful church. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that means in like <laughs> less time than it takes you to even blink your eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, here's the key. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. See, because normally, when you die, you're corrupt, you know, you're going you're gonna to rot away, right? But you see, when Jesus rose from the grave, there was no signs of death whatsoever. The only signs he had that showed anything about what he went through before he died were what he showed to Thomas, right? He showed him the scars from the nails and the wound on the side. Otherwise, <laughs> he was raised incorruptible. And so his promise to us is, if we die before he returns to call us up, well, then when we get raised, we're going to be incorruptible. And those of us that are still here, we're going to be changed too. So now we are going to be like him. <laughs> we ourselves are going to be in the same state of eternal, you know, existence as he is. This is why I always talk about, you know, may, you know it's got to be a personal thing between you and the Lord. It's not just, you know, seeker-friendly kind of thing or whatever. Oh, nay, nay. Because, again, as I've said so many times, man, there's going to be trials and tribulations. There's a rose on there's a thorn on every rose, people. And nobody promised you a rose garden. Never. So for the record, talking about salvation, let's look at Romans 10, 9 through 13. I think this is one of the best scriptures in the New Testament regarding salvation and how you get saved or how you're saved. So it starts, Romans 10, 9 to 13, in verse 9, it says that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth Confession is made unto salvation. <clears throat> Let me just take a break there for a minute. There was a issue. I'm going to take a sip of water. Hang on. About eating what they referred to as unclean food, which um, there were there were dietary laws and so forth that were set set forth by Moses. And anyways, Jesus made the comment, you know what? It's not what goes into your mouth and into your belly that's going to condemn you because that's going to be, and he may, I don't, can't remember the exact word, but in other words, that's going to be exited, right? Jesus said it's what goes, what comes out of your mouth. The words you speak, that is going to do one of two things. It's going to save you or it's going to condemn you. So with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, hopefully. For the, in verse 11, it goes on, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, we may suffer or may not, but we may suffer persecution and whatnot because of our witness, because of our faith. But in the end, you know, there's going to be no shame. There's going to be glory, hallelujah, amen. Verse 12, it goes on to say, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek and or the Gentile, which is those of us who are non-Jewish by birth. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Doesn't make a difference, Jew or Gentile. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So moving into the crux of the show, will we survive? 
Are our leaders and this president, you got to ask, completely out of their minds? Well, the answer is, you know, we know that Joe Biden does not possess a mind at this late juncture in his life, not a cognizant mind. He does, it's not there. He's got either Alzheimer's or dementia or what, I don't know, whatever else it might be. But he's got, you know, he's out of touch with reality more often, it seems, than not. I got to ask you a question or ask ourselves a question. Has anybody ever seen a civilization, especially such as ours, collapse down upon itself? Totally collapse upon the very citizens that make up that society? Does anyone in Washington or else understand that we cannot keep going in this direction? We're going to move into Exodus 20. So Exodus is primarily the book of the, well, the exit or the leaving of Egypt. God and the ten plagues, and finally Pharaoh said, get out of here. So Exodus 20, verse 1, 1 through, what have I got, 5, 6? Anyways, starting with verse 1, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which had brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He goes on in verse 3 to say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No, no, doesn't pull any punches, right? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That covers it. Verse 5 says, Thou shalt not buy down, excuse me, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, are we going to survive? Or better yet, who's going to save us when this civilization civilization finally totally collapses? These attacks that we're seeing that are, you know, in this country are all over the world. Every society across the world. What we need and what has to be is a correct understanding. Earlier I spoke about, you know, our founding fathers and so forth. And I found this one on the internet from George Washington. And um, he said, when any nation mistrusts its citizens with guns, it sends a clear message. It no longer trusts its citizens because such a government has evil plans. (laughs) Man, (laughs) If I didn't have any constitution or anything else, just that statement right there, I'm standing on that. So seeing what they've already done and knowing what they want to do, let me remind you, they want to take away your cars, right? That's what all this talk about, electric cars and all this. So those quote-unquote gas guzzlers, no good gas cars, they're going to go. They want to take your home ownership. They want to take away your freedom to travel. They want to take away the very freedom of speech that is part of who we are. They want to, and and many of these things they've already done, okay? So as I continue, destroy industries and on and on and on. I got to say, I agree with President Washington. And without any hesitation... As I took my oath of enlistment to go into the Marines, I will defend my country from enemies, foreign and domestic. That's a no-brainer, everybody. The old saying is, forewarned is to be forearmed. So if you're warned about something's going to happen, right? I mean, kind of pretty self-explanatory. Then you can arm yourself and be prepared for it. 
Jesus said, if you knew when the thief was going to break into the house, well, you wouldn't go to sleep. You'd wait up all night for that, you know, right? So forewarned is forearmed. Now, everything that Joe Biden's doing, bottom line, detriment of America and its citizens. This open border policy, as just for an example, millions, and I mean millions of illegals. I've spoken to Border Patrol more than once. So they're pouring into our country. And you know what? <laughs> they got diseases because they don't have vaccines where they're coming from. That's a that's not a good thing. They they come in here and they flood the labor market, amongst other things, and they take jobs that should go to Americans. Now, granted, a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to work for such and such wage. You know what? I'll tell you what. You might want to rethink that. Because how many times have you made a phone call to customer service and you can barely understand what they're telling you or, you know, they barely understand you? How many times have you been to the market of the store and there are foreigners working there? How many of these mini-marts are owned by foreigners all across the country? You see, the thing is, one of the things going on or what is going to happen here, which is going to increase the crime rate, is there's a slate of 800 and something big box stores are shutting down multiple stores across the country. Now you're going to have those people looking for work. But here's the other thing. With all this money that we've been pumping over to the Ukraine and whatnot, how much money are they going to be able to have in the coffers to take care of these people? Just saying. So we got, you know, we got the, the illegals. We got leeches just in general. And they're all banging on the economy. They're all pulling off the welfare system, health care, housing. And one of the things, it's, you know, I don't mean no disrespect, but these illegals, they bring their culture of poverty with them. I know entire neighborhoods. I've seen them in my life. You know, entire sections of town. You think you're in another country, but you're not. And then we got him selling Biden strategic oil reserves to nothing short of communist countries. This guy's gone way beyond what are his constitutional powers. Let's do Isaiah 520. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Next headline. None dare call it treason. So, six years investigating Trump. What did they get? Well, they got found out. That's what they got. We found out Hillary's proven involvement with the fake dossier. Obama's proven involvement in the spying on Trump, his campaign, and his presidency. Insider stock trading on both sides of the aisle. And then we have Biden or Hunter Biden's illegal deals with guess who? The Ukraine and China. And then, of course, his drug use and probable sexual abuses. And don't forget the laptop. You know, we have to always, again, keep in mind they have a plan and they're sticking to it. Ask, ask you, do you have a plan? Jesus says in Matthew 13, 17, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and they have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now, in this regard, he's talking about the fact when he was here on earth. I wonder how many of them would want to see the end times. So let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the meaning of the story I talked about or the scriptures I talked about in the beginning. In the beginning, 
the 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 Genesis account of Abraham and Lot and Sodom. There was an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said it was great. You can read about it in Genesis 18:20, where it says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. So God was unwilling, after a period of time, don't know how long, to strive with the inhabitants of these cities any longer. He just literally gave them up to their own evil desires and went unrestrained. It began to cause their own destruction. They were just destroying themselves from, from within. But the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they chose that. Basically, or well, flat out, they refused the law of God written on their hearts. God speaks to our hearts all the time. But they chose to hate God, and of course, it's also his servant Lot, because Lot didn't participate in their evil behavior. So consequently, like any who refused to join in, this stirred up their guilt and anger. I'll tell you an interesting part of the story, I don't think I've got into it, but um, when the angels were sent to rescue Lot from Sodom, these people were such sexual deviants that they were begging Lot to let them have Adam. They were something new, some fresh meat to have fun with. Lot, well, for what it's worth, he begged them not to do such a thing because he knew what these men were. But anyways, back to what we're talking about. We live in this society. You know it. I know it. Can't deny it. Fallen and evil. And if your city's under God's judgment, how many of your neighbors would survive? Listen, ask this question. How many of your own family? You see, by faith through the sacrifice of Christ, under the mercy of God, we're committed. We should be. Now, did Lot ever, you know, explain his faith to his neighbors? I have no idea. May have tried. I mean, he's called righteous, and a righteous man would not remain silent, I wouldn't think. But the hardness of the hearts in that society was so absolute. It was overwhelmingly sinful. So, I'm, you know, kind of like he was banging his head up against the wall, right? Here's the thing. The effectiveness of our own witness of the gospel rests with the Holy Spirit who can pierce even the hardest heart. Yet perseverance and witness is rewarded by God. Was Lot persevering and striving to win others to the one true God? During his time living in this place of, well, it was his choice. Or did the frustration of the effort wear him down? His procrastination to leave when the angels told him he needed to get out with his family kind of sort of exposed the double-mindedness. He had to literally be dragged out with his daughters and his wife. His wife turned her eyes and her heart back, and she became a pillar of salt. So the thing is, God decided to save Lot because of who he was, all right? But nobody else. Abraham kind of bartered with the Lord. He was told what was going to happen, and he bartered. <laughs> Got all the way down to 10, but 10 righteous people couldn't be found in the two cities. So there's many Christians who don't want to offend others by speaking the gospel in their neighbors' ears, minds, and hearts. Some will say, you know, well, I'm building a relationship first. Except for the building phase never ends. Hardly gets started. Others will say I'm not articulate enough. Well, think about Moses. Moses had a serious speech impediment. He was just scared to death. Or you could say, I lack knowledge. Well, that's only because you don't ask. 
Others will still say I'm paralyzed by fear. It just doesn't make sense. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Matthew 10, 32-33. So you see, the key here is this. Because of God's love for us, because of his righteousness, he's going to save us, or he has saved us, just like he did Lot. But everything and any whatever around us, no. In fact, the Lord's going to start clean. He's going to destroy this earth, the heavens and everything, and, and start totally from scratch. You see, where we are at that time is going to make a whole lot of difference as to how we feel. Because, you know, let's face it, if you're in the torment and everything that hell is, what, what fun is that? As opposed to seeing the Lord recreate everything. That's got to be awesome. I'd rather see that. And then be able to spend the eternity with him in that new, wonderful, beautiful creation where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears. So you got to make the decision. The Lord saved Lot. He saved them. Even when Lot kind of kicked a little bit. <laughs> but you see, like what happened to Lot's wife you know, in her heart and her mind, there was something about that place that she needed to look back. She was done right there. Pillar of salt. Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and you keep looking back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong. So I just want to, you know, reiterate. Make the time you have left count. Make the effort. Don't think about time lost or this, you know, whatever. Don't go there. Satan wants to, you know, keep you from going forward. The Lord wants, he's calling you forward. Who are you going to listen to? That's the end. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be, you know, become a child of God. Remember the scripture? Grace and mercy for all. Always remember that. God bless. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Need I say more? That's the podcast. The show is Let's Talk. My email address, if you care to correspond, is letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one at gmail.com. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. God bless. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for
pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Tenderly Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home, come home, come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Jesus is calling, calling.